Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Well, hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Ballots and Brews. Actually, our final edition, our final episode of 2021. If you can believe it, we're going to be taking a few weeks off over the next uh, couple of weeks just for the holidays. We're going to enjoy some time with family and all those brews that we've been talking about uh, over this last year. So this is our final show for 2021, which means, of course, we packed a lot in uh, for this final episode. So we are so excited to, to jump into things. But we're going to start, as we always do, uh, with with each episode talking about beer and we are really excited uh, tonight because we know of course people are in that last uh, dash of planning and getting things ready for the holidays and holiday parties and so for some of you that might entail a trip to Vern's Liquor here in Topeka. So we are so excited to have Morgan Lynn from Vern's Retail Liquor with us tonight. Morgan thanks for hanging out with us. You're welcome it's good to be here. Hey, absolutely. So, you know, as we get started, of course, we know that there are probably many customers um, out here listening to us. Uh, but for those who haven't um, had the chance to visit before, can you tell us just a little bit uh, about the store, where it's located, uh, some background, things like that? We are at 3700 Southwest Gage. That is the corner of 37th and Gage. And we have been here since 2013. Okay. We just down the street from 37th and Burlingame, oh, the previous right. location. Yeah. And so, uh, funny story, when Aaron decided to build the building and move the location, it was February 8th of 2013. They moved to the new location and there was a huge snowstorm. <laughs> and so sales that day were just not great. And Aaron was ready to move back. Oh, um, gosh. It was just, <laughs> it was just the, the change um, of locations that was like a bad omen. But then <laughs> after after that, sales took off the new location took off and we were just rolling right through absolutely absolutely so um and it is aaron was in the marines uh his father who was Vern, who purchased the business in 1993 Vern was navy aaron is marine so it is a veteran owned and has been awesome. veteran owned and operated uh business so we do offer 10 percent off all day every day to veterans on anything uh, wine or spirit based that is uh, seven fifty or above regular price. Awesome. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. We're glad that that you uh, overcame that that bad omen and that things uh, picked up right from right from there. <laughs> Right. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and, uh, and of course, as we, we mentioned earlier, you know, we are uh, knee deep, of course, in the holiday uh, season right now. So, you know, as uh, as customers come in, are, have there been any any trends or any bestsellers or things you've noticed during this holiday season? Well, of course, with holidays, champagnes, wines, those kind of things have picked up quite a bit. Um, it's kind of funny. TikTok trends. Oh my gosh. Have those people come in looking for <laughs> this item or that item. And it's because of some beverage they saw on TikTok that they're trying huh. to recreate, uh, which we do our best. But a lot of times <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's picked up. Everybody's been buying it and we're out of that. Oh my gosh. So, 
And then, of course, Fridays, we have our flash sales. So every weekend, people are looking on our Facebook page at what our flash sales are going to be for the weekend. And that is probably one of our best shopped items or those are probably our best shopped items um, at this time, just because of, you know, the deals that we offer on those, those weekend specials and stuff. But a lot of, you know, seasonal holiday beers that come in, a lot of gift set or gift sets, gift boxes. Oh, sure. We do offer, we have a lot of gift boxes that are, it's a 750 mil, a fifth bottle with, you know, glasses or whatever. And we sell our gift sets at the same price we would sell the regular bottle. And we do offer the 10% off on the gift sets as well. So those get, those get shopped a lot during the holiday seasons as well, of course. Very cool. I'm like, I, you know, I, I don't think I've ever felt older than realizing that people are now making uh, liquor decisions based on TikTok. Like I, I, right. I've heard of TikTok, yeah. but I never knew that that was driving our, our alcohol purchases. It, yeah, it's funny. A whipped cream vodka over the summer was a big thing. Oh my and, and gosh. Yeah, there's just, there's various things that people come in looking for and it's like, no. And like, well, we saw it on TikTok. And it's like, oh, okay. <gasps> the problem is, TikTok, of course, is nationwide. Right. Kansas, every state offers distribution of different products. Not everything that is in distribution in the nation is actually in distribution in Kansas. Sure. So sometimes those things that people are looking for, certain ingredients, they're just, they're not actually available. Ah, It's a little tricky trying to figure out what might be a good substitute so to speak oh sure well see there maybe maybe tiktok will help change some of that well we'll have to thank the tiktokers for for helping with that (laughs) oh that's awesome well and and speaking of of uh policies and things like that you know we know that the legislature has been uh busy with all kinds of things but one of the things that they've been doing is is making some tweaks and changes to uh liquor laws over the last year and they're looking ahead to you know seeing what they might be doing in the next session uh you know everything from Sunday liquor sales, uh, um, all kinds of other things that they've looked at. Have those changes had any impact on your business at all? Oh, absolutely. Because uh, we now open at 10 a.m. on Sundays instead of noon. Okay. So, you know, those people heading to Chiefs games for tailgating, they're able to come in and buy something prior to going and things like that, which is, of course, added to business. Um, And I know they are, we also have I don't know how many stores in Topeka actually offer the bottle caps app, but due Mm. to COVID and, you know, a lot of online purchases, we went ahead and signed up for, it's called bottle caps and it's an online ordering app. Uh, You can get online, you can order, you can pay and you can come pick it up without really ever even having to come into the store. That's awesome. So, which is a big difference. I know in Kansas delivery isn't quite there yet. Yeah. Um, we do have a lot of people asking if we can deliver. We legally cannot do that sure. yet. Um, but, uh, you know, we are able to do the online ordering. And so I'm, I'm I'm sure at some point, maybe not the near future, but sometime in the future, I'm sure delivery will be um, uh, an option as well. But yeah, I for anyone who, you know, doesn't necessarily want to fight the crowds, uh, they can download the Bottle Caps app, find Burns, look at our whole inventory, find out what they want, order it online and just come in and pick it up. And it's, you know, just like any other online ordering system, it's a lot faster and a lot more concise and convenient. 
Absolutely. Now that's way cool. I'm gonna have to get on that right now as we speak. Actually, that is pretty. <laughs> that is pretty cool. And that this makes it that much easier to get my beer. So that uh, that helps quite a bit. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Well, and you know, I do know that delivery is one of the things that's on the legislature's agenda to take a to take a look at. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in in the next years. I think slowly but surely, I think the, some legislators, your know, minds, have started to think, you know, what what else can we free up and, and change a little bit in coming years. Right. Absolutely. Well, and you know, you mentioned earlier your your flash sales, and so if you wanted to just promote those again, talk about your Facebook page. Uh, it's an excellent uh, page for keeping up on on things that you have in stock, um, as well as the flash sales too. If you want to talk a little bit more about where they can find the information. So on Facebook, if you just you know search for Burns Retail Liquor and like our page, um, every Friday at ten a.m. we post our flash sales. Uh, there's almost always a beer or two on there, a couple of wines, and then a couple of spirits. Awesome. Um, during the holiday season, it seems like there's even more of an you know selection. Sure. Um, We've been running Crown Apple and Crown Vanilla for $21.99 instead oh, wow. of $28.99 for a fifth for well over a week. And it will continue for a little bit longer just because we were able to get a good uh, inventory in at a good price. So we can keep it at a low price for people. Awesome. Um, a lot of times with our flash sales, we don't make a huge profit on those items. We're offering that to people to kind of get them in the door, give them a chance to save some money and see what else they might like. Sure. So, uh, and then we also have, um, we've got giveaways. We've got a drawing coming up Okay. Uh, for, oh, there's a Jaeger fridge and a Coors cooler and a Traeger smoker. Oh, wow. So um, that's another thing. Like if you look on our Facebook page every now and then we'll have something where it's like, hey, come into the store, fill a little sheet of paper you don't have to buy anything you can just come in fill your name out drop it in the box and you never know you might win something yeah absolutely oh that's so, awesome yeah aaron uh rose now our owner is really generous he gives back to a lot of people um he donates a lot of products to various golf tournaments to the speaker symphony to just pretty much anyone that comes in that has a a good cause he will he will do what he can to to help. Sure. So, um, and I mean, that goes the same way with our customers. He's just, he's kind of that guy that's always trying to figure out how to give you a little something extra. Oh, that's awesome. That's That, that makes coming in even that much better. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. That's so. awesome. Well, yeah, make sure, folks, if you have it out there uh, already, go ahead and like um, Birds Liquor on Facebook and stay up to date on all those giveaways and those uh, Friday flash sales as well. Uh, so, you know, as we get, of course, uh, just only 12 days away now uh, from the big day from Christmas, if, you're, if there's someone out there who's having a panic and maybe they realize they're hosting Christmas and they're making some last minute plans and they need to have some booze on hand, you know, any, any recommendations or must have you recommend to folks who maybe are, are doing some of that last minute planning for their holidays um well right now because it's the holidays we have all day every day our wines are 20 percent off and our spirits are 10 percent off okay wines go great in the winter time and for holiday parties we have uh holiday wines we also have you know red blends is a good one that's kind of an easy to drink everyone can you know for the most part most people can drink some it's not super dry or heavy like a zin or a cab sure um however if you do have a party 
and you know that there are people who are picky about it, if you can find out what kind of wines people like, it will benefit you so much <laughs> because we have people come in and they're like, well, I don't know. She likes red wine. Well, does she like something dry or does she want something sweet? I don't know. Wines are fickle. It's hard to please the crowd if you don't have any idea. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not any different than beer. You can get Bud Light, but if you have a IPA drinker who really doesn't like Bud Light, like an <laughs> IPA, right? Then you know. So, um, kind of knowing your crowd uh, goes a long way when it comes to trying to figure out what you're buying. So, don't be afraid to ask people, "What do you like to drink?" Sure. You know, I think people think that they're just supposed to be the hostess with the mostest and they're afraid <laughs> to ask people, but. Just ask somebody, you know, what what do you like to drink? Do you like a sweet red? Do you like a dry red? Are you a white wine drinker? Do you like bubbles? I mean, there's so many options these days. But with more options comes more confusion sometimes. (laughs) Like, I don't know what to pick. So uh, having a little bit of knowledge before you come in of what you need is, is going to be really helpful to most people. Awesome. Well, see, there you go, folks. Don't be afraid to, to ask questions and talk to your, your guests a little bit before uh, they get to your part. It will help you um, in the long run. So good, good stuff all around. Well, Maureen, thanks so much for, for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for asking me to come on. Yeah, absolutely. And for folks out there listening again, make sure to hit up uh, Verna's Liquor on Facebook. Follow that Facebook page. Uh, find some really good deals, some good giveaways. There's good information um, in general on there. And be sure to check out that Bottle Caps app as well uh, to find out about how you can get your, your beer and liquor yeah, even easier um, than walking in the store. So make sure to check out that app as well. Um, go ahead and stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back after this break with our beer flight of the night, where we'll recap the latest and greatest happenings in state and local government and you are listening to ballots and brews here on ksf 785 live radio Seven eight five magazine is proud to present KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now, and we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at seven eight five live.com and thanks for tuning in. Alrighty, everyone, it is time for our final beer flight of the night for 2021. Uh, as the year draws to a close, the city council um, has been busy, including at Tuesday night's meeting. Um, and so we're gonna keep things super local uh, tonight because we We've actually got enough issues to talk about just from Tuesday night's city council meeting. So uh, we're going to start things off first with our property maintenance IPA. Uh, so this is a follow-up uh, to the city's uh, changing the culture of property maintenance uh, public input sessions that were held just a few months ago that you might remember us talking about, uh, where it really challenged citizens to help um, the city think differently about what their goals should be as it relates to property maintenance in the community, code enforcement, all those kinds of things. Um, as you might imagine, this has been a hot topic Um, in the city because almost everyone has that one house they can think of that the city just won't handle or that one neighbor who won't take care of their property and it's a dicey issue for a lot of reasons. Um, One of which of course is there's an equity uh, piece to these things also as a lot of people have put it out including Councilman Tony Emerson on this show and at the council meeting on Tuesday that sometimes people get written up for code issues that they would like to address but they don't have the money or means to make those repairs. So is there a better use of our time than hauling that person in the court and putting them through the emotional trauma of that experience instead of just hooking them up with someone that can help fix up their house. 
Um, it should also be noted, and this was said, I believe, in another city council meeting, that homes aren't the only one uh, that run afoul of code enforcement. Uh, we also have businesses uh, that sometimes don't take the best care of their properties, and so we have to look at that side of things as well. So lots of lots of layers uh, to what that what that conversation looks like. Uh, so against the backdrop of, of all that, uh, the city conducted these public meetings to get input on what those goals should look like for property maintenance um, in the city of Topeka and what kind of strategies should we pursue. Um, the city's public health and safety uh, subcommittee spearheaded this charge, so they presented their findings from those public input meetings back to the city council, and they've been doing this over the last few weeks. Um, their overarching goal, as I read from the document, is to, quote, Improve the quality of structures and premises in Topeka, Kansas, so that structures and premises violations are the exception rather than the rule. Our number of substandard properties is never over 500. That's the aspirational goal they're going for here. Owners are motivated to take care of properties before city departments are even called. Uh, so that is their aspirational statement um, for uh, for these recommendations. So pretty, some pretty lofty goals there. Um, it does include a host of strategies and goals like addressing the number of vacant properties, stepping up inspections, um, addressing overgrowth of vegetation is one that's specifically called out. Um, interestingly, that strategy calls for, quoting here, improving the appearance of the community through management of uncultivated and overgrown vegetation, such that the average resident or visitor would score Topeka's property appearance at least a seven on a scale of 10. And I'm only disappointed that they did say uh, that residents would swipe right on the city of Topeka. It's swipe right, that's the good Good one, right? Or is it swipe left? I don't know. You kids in your technology these days. Anyway, uh, the report has generated some good discussion at the last few meetings, and Tuesday was no exception. And there was an interesting discussion um, about the role of landlords in all of this. Uh, you know, one gentleman kind of took issue of what he calls a false narrative that's being painted of landlords that they're the cause of some uh, of the problems with properties in the city. Um, you know, he said that really the real issue comes down to misunderstandings at times or miscommunications, and he. Uh, uh, reference the stat that you know landlords oh, landlords own 43 percent of the homes in the community but represent only 10 percent of code enforcement cases um, kind of an interesting rebuttal to that you know councilman lester noted that about 98 percent of his constituent calls and work that he does relate to landlord tenant challenges um, i'll just share anecdotally myself working in the nonprofit sector but i uh some of my experience here you know we recognize um, as well the number of challenges that are posed by uh, landlords who aren't adequately maintained their properties, some that aren't even part of the community, don't even live in Topeka. Uh, what I would humbly submit to you all is that while landlord uh, challenges may not make up the majority of, of, of those cases, uh, some of their violations are probably the most egregious um, of all. Um, so just some, some context and things to think about. Um, all that to say, the city council did approve the report and the suggestions out of the committee. Uh, so yay for public input, leading to some real action there there. Uh, next up we have our spare change porter. Uh, so it turns out the city has done a good job and they listen to Dave Ramsey or whatever it is that you people say they should listen to for financial advice uh, and they saved themselves some money uh, to the tune of about three and a half million dollars. 
Uh, now, of course, the question for any government with excess money on their hands is what to do with it. Uh, spoiler alert, the answer to that question is apparently not to give it to Angel to open up his own Chipotle franchise, but that's okay. I'll just move on. Uh, the council did kick around a bunch of ideas at Tuesday's meeting. Um, you know, there are all kinds of road projects, for instance, that we can look at, some of those types of things. Um, interestingly, Councilman Duncan know that one thing they didn't discuss uh, was using that money for some kind of tax relief uh, to uh, citizens in the city. Uh, Mayor-elect Mike Padilla, who of course takes office as mayor in January and is now serving still as a city council member, um, did note that while Councilman Duncan openly admitted that discussion wouldn't go anywhere now regarding tax relief, that he did like to think the thought of thinking differently and creatively about how we use our surplus funds in the community. Uh, interestingly, one proposal that did come up was utilizing those dollars to support restoration work at the Menninger Clock Tower. Now, many of you know the Menninger campus on the west side of Topeka, rather from your study of Topeka history or whatever late night shenanigans y'all pulled when you were in high school. Um, it has long been in need of repair and a new owner, um, and there is a movement afoot to acquire the property and rehab it for uh, some new potential use. Um, and as you'll recall on last week's show, the council did indicate that if someone had a serious proposal, um, they would consider investing in it. So stay tuned. Uh, up next on our flight tonight is the retirement stout. Uh, so how old is too old to be a police officer or a firefighter? Uh, that was the discussion at Tuesday night's meeting. Uh, just a quick backstory. So the city, a couple months ago now, was updating some of its personnel policies uh, that they had a council approve, and they realized that they accidentally ended up uh, deleting the provision um, that instated a mandatory retirement age of 60 for Topeka police and fire officers. Uh, so now the city is trying to add that requirement back in. Uh, and it was an interesting discussion at the council meeting. Um, you know, some city council members said not so fast um, and said, you know, what makes 60 so magical? Um, in a time when uh, we are looking for new officers and new firefighters and need people to serve their city, if someone is over the age of 60 but they are physically fit and capable to do the job, why not keep them around? Um, you know, there are others on the council who say, you know what, we really want to make sure that people are fit for duty and, and 60 seems like a fair age to, to make that assessment and make that, that cut off. Um, so there are lots of back and forth on what this, uh, what this can, can look like. Uh, there is also discussion of the uh, relative physical prowess of members of the city council as they started to think about, you know, what this could mean for, uh, for some of them individually as, as an example. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, actually city staff, city manager, and the Topeka Police and Fire Unions uh, are all actually in agreement and they all actually support this proposal, which is, is interesting. And actually Councilman Dobler made that point uh, Tuesday night that you know, rarely do you find staff and both unions all on the same side of an issue. And so to him, that was a pretty clear indicator of, of where they should go uh, on things. Uh, now this was a non-action item on the agenda, so it's just discussion at this meeting. Um, it'll go up to a vote uh, at a future time. Um, so some interesting uh, discussion there. Um, and of course, we finish things up uh, on the beer flight tonight with the Bill Cochran Bach. 
Um, and so, in case you missed that news, uh, Bill Cochran, the former police chief here in the city of Topeka and currently serving as the chief of staff uh, to city manager Brent Trout, will get a new, at least temporary, promotion um, here over the next couple months. Um, the city council uh, did uh, vote to uh, to retain him as the interim uh, city manager for the city of Topeka. Um, as you all will recall, city manager Brent Trout decided that he wanted to spend more time hanging out with his family, that they were a lot more cool, that they were a lot cooler than hanging out with the city council. You can't really blame them there. Um, and so he will be retiring um, at the end of this year and leaving that, uh, leaving his role as city manager. Uh, so there is currently a nationwide search um, going to find a new city manager. So in the interim time, uh, his chief of staff, Bill Cochran, um, has been approved uh, to serve in an interim capacity beginning um, on December 31st at the end of this month. Um, now his vote, the vote to uh, approve him as the interim city manager was not necessarily unanimous. It was a vote of seven to three um, that we had um, the current mayor, Mayor Nela Isla, Councilwoman Ortiz, and Councilwoman Valdivia Alcala um, actually voted against um, the, the appointment uh, of Cochran as the interim uh, city manager. Um, and there was lots of discussion um, leading, leading into that. Um, so he will have that role, again, we mentioned until the nationwide search um, is completed and the city has identified a new, a new city manager. Um, and so that's another reminder to you all to be on the lookout for opportunities for public input and comment um, on the search for a, a new city manager, which is a, a pivotal role for our city. Again, remember, the, the city manager is essentially the CEO of the city. So they are the ones that have the end responsibility of supervising all city employees, making hiring, firing decisions, that sort of thing. That power actually does not rest in the mayor um, because of our form of government. That administrative control actually rests in the city manager. So it's a pretty powerful role in our community. Um, and that, folks, completes our beer flight tonight. But don't go anywhere after this next break. Our uh, uh, next up is our interview with Derek Florlog for the Shawnee County Health Department. And it is an interview you do not want to miss. Uh, we are going to talk all about the status of COVID-19 in our community. Lots and lots of really good information, especially at this time of year as we all uh, gather as a community. So that's coming up next after the break. You are listening to Bouts of Brews here on KSAF 785 Live Radio. Folks, uh, we are back, and for our final Ballots and Brews uh, interview for 2021, we are excited to be uh, closing things out with our buddy Derek Furlog uh, with the Shawnee County Health Department, uh, here to talk all about COVID-19 um, and everything there is to know, which there's a lot uh, to know about the COVID situation in Shawnee County. So Derek, thanks for hanging out with us again today. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me back, Angel. I was trying to think of the last time I was on, and I don't know if you know off the top of your head what time of year that was, but it, it feels like forever ago. Right. And, and I feel like we've just, we've really been through it. I, 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 I can't, I'm excited to be on the show again, don't get me wrong, but I'm also <laughs> a little disappointed that we're still, uh, you know, and right. we're still where we are. So yeah, right. And we were we were we were drinking then, and we're still drinking now to, <laughs> to get yeah. through yeah. all this. So it's been crazy. No kidding. No oh kidding. man. Well, you know, let's let's start off just by uh, you know touching base on where where are things right now in Shawnee County? You know, we know we had the indicator report, of course, that came out last week, and, uh, and things were things were not going in the direction we wanted them to. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, unfortunately, we've seen kind of this increase over the last, oh, several weeks. I think we am actually looking at it right here. So 
we got one, two, three, four, five uh, consecutive weeks of an increase. Um, and so I take people back to the beginning of June when we kind of had this, uh, we were kind of um, in a decent spot there. We were seeing, I would say, anywhere from 30 to, you know, 40, 45 cases, and that's per week. Um, mm. Now, we gradually saw an increase into um, late June, early July, and then saw our, our peak of what we're calling the Delta surge in August. People would say, well, why are you starting kind of reviewing cases from from early June and the answer really is because that's when the Delta variant was first detected here in Kansas and in Shawnee County and so we saw a surge then uh, into mid and late August and then a gradual decrease and kind of a plateau uh, right before Halloween uh, really early October mid-October we kind of hung out in the 200 to 250 case range uh, per week and then we've just seen a gradual increase really since uh, the beginning, right right after October, which ironically, I'm sorry, right after Halloween, which ironically mm. is really what we saw last year with our with our biggest spike, our biggest surge. Mm. Uh, we, we've seen five, and I suppose I can, can break this news now. By the time this airs, it sure. will be out there, but we're going to see a, a six straight week of an increase on our indicator as well. And so... Oh, wow. Uh, for folks that are that are listening, um, the last indicator that we would have released, which was got to get my dates right here, was for the period of November 28th through uh, December 4th. We had gone back up into that high category, uh, which we hadn't been in about 15 weeks. Yeah. Past week here in Shawnee County, we've unfortunately seen another increase, and that'll be reflected on the the scorecard. Will be released um, on Thursday, the 16th. So the case count has, has risen again to 836, and that's up from 784. I mean, an interesting note about that, though, is that our indicator requires a 10% or greater, I should say a 10.1% or greater uh, increase uh, mm. from the previous week for it to not basically not be in the green. Right. And what that means is it, uh, if it's in the green, it doesn't add to the score. So what people will actually see is that our, our, our index score, the total score is going to decrease. And it'll, it'll put us uh, down to 16, which is gonna be basically the highest part of the substantial category. Mm. So we're gonna go from that high category back down to substantial. But again, what's interesting is that all of our metrics continue to, uh, to get worse, basically. Mm. So cases are up. Um, that trend, in, the trend in incidents, like I just said, you'll see on there that that's that that'll be green, just below 10%. But our uh, our case investigation percentage, which is um, you know basically the ability of public health to to notify and investigate you know all of the cases, and obviously as that continues to rise, then our capacity, our ability to respond to cases is 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 more limited. Um, I wish yeah. we had the staff and 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 all of that to to investigate every case and look into every case but um you know really once we get into the you know i don't know 250 300 range and above it starts getting very difficult and, and obviously we are uh, more than double that so uh, people will also see on the indicator that our hospital stress index uh, is staying maxed out and so that's going to be at a, a 3.0 this is a metric that takes basically and, and it's broken down within our uh, within our indicator people are, are free to read it if they wish but it's basically um, averages and kind of a kind of an aggregate score from our reporting hospitals in shawnee county 
you know it includes things like uh, the percentage of beds occupied percentage of ICU beds occupied you know percentage of uh, beds occupied by COVID-19 patients it's a couple different measures that kind of go into this to an index score itself and so but we've also seen those hospitalizations uh, they've continued to significantly um, increase over the last month here in the county too so uh, we currently have uh, i think it's 66 covid 19 inpatients daily over the last two weeks that's been our, our average and of course you know the the county hospitals um, uh, you know more than one large one uh, serves the region and so it's not just about shawnee county for those hospitals it's it's about the regional approach we are hearing of of uh, issues with transfers again and you know patients um, uh, from from maybe more rural areas that need a, a place uh, for care or, or need a higher level of care sometimes um, where they could normally go to Topeka or, or Wichita um, are, are unable to find beds at some of those hospitals and so I don't know if I'm sure you remember several months back when we were hearing of you know folks being transported to you know hospitals in Wisconsin and things like yeah. that and so um, we're, we're, we're concerned with those numbers too and then we're also watching that percent positivity um, kind of hover and so it slightly decreased this reporting period to 12.5 percent mm. but again it's the second week over 10 percent right uh, since mid-august and then our, our current seven-day rolling average is 14.2 percent and so i kind of told people you know above five percent is generally considered like high transmission uh th- these are kind of older terms and so you know uh, may not be 100 percent scientifically correct on the terms themselves but sure. uh, and then anything above 10 percent we've historically looked at that as like uncontrolled transmission and i think one of the biggest concerning metrics when we look at the percent positivity is that our testing our total testing numbers have gone up too and so mm. you know what what's historically happened is as you test more your percent positivity will go down sure um, because you're, you're finding folks that don't have the virus and, and aren't sick um, but we're watching these testing numbers rise and rise and rise and then that percent positivity is rising with it and so you know, when we look at those things together, what that tells us is that there's more transmission out in the community that we're not, we're not act, we're not, we're not catching via sure. testing, and so um, we're we're really watching out for that too. Um, I just keep rolling down the line of kind of statistics here, uh, so stop me sure. if you need to. But uh, we're also slightly above the state average as far as percent positivity goes, and and that would be the first time that we've done that. Uh, for the first time in 14 weeks and so i guess you could look at that as there uh, being more transmission in shawnee county than uh, on average throughout the state so um gotcha. we do we do break down that metric as far as age groups go and so uh we've been i keep saying the word concerning but we are watching some of the younger age groups have higher percent positivities our 5 through 10 and our 11 through 13 age groups are both above 15 percent and they've really been riding closer to, to 20 for, oh, wow. for a couple a couple weeks in a row and then um really the, the there's seven additional age groups that are between 10 to 15 percent and for the most that's that's basically literally anybody else if you're if you're younger than 85 uh you're you're above 10 percent so gotcha. our, our what's what's interesting angel is that our age group of 85 and older 
is testing positive at 2.1%. Wow. And I know we're going to hop into this in a little while, but they are our highest vaccinated group. Oh, wow. They're like, 90, they're like 96% vaccinated in the, in the huh. county by our estimates. And so, um, I mean, I think that, that says it all right there. So uh, absolutely. Not to, be a super, not to be a super Debbie Downer, but that's where <laughs> we are currently in the, in, the, in the county. But, you know, you're seeing it across the, uh, the state, the nation. Um, I've told you before, a huge sports fan. We're, we're seeing cases in athletes again and games that are, you know, on the verge of being um, rescheduled or canceled. And uh, love my Chiefs, and they've got some positives and, and some people in, in what they call the COVID protocols. So uh, I really just think as a nation, we're, we're, not, we're not where we want to be, and then we're not where we need to be as far as vaccination and mitigation goes. Sure, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, this uh, all of that is against the backdrop too of uh, the Omicron variant um, that we know people are are concerned about, have questions about. That's on a lot of people's minds. It was I, I saw a meme the other day, and it was great because the meme said, "This is not the way I wanted to learn the Greek alphabet." Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, "That's oh. uh, very true, <laughs> very true." Uh, uh, I know. Yeah, I'm not sure I knew much about the Greek alphabet until now. Um, right. Of course, they they used to uh, title the the variants kind after I don't know if it was the place of origin but they they titled oh, yeah. uh, with the, with the country and obviously the concern there is is people using that to you know bash another, another yeah. region or another nation and then they went to the uh, how they basically titled they still titled them this way uh, so the alpha was B117 and oh. that that is the location as I understand it is the location on the genomic structure of the mutation um, oh of course it's yeah, like every decimal place and and digit means something. It's a location on the huh. on the on the genome of the virus. Um, I'm not an expert on that part of it, but uh, po- point being, yeah, I, I I knew very little about the Greek alphabet <laughs> until now. Right. So, and and these all they all sound like transformers, you know. I'm uh, absolutely. Ooh. <laughs> well, and, and so you know, do that. And you know, what what do we know about the Omicron variant? You know, a lot of people are, are might be you know freaking out out there, are are really worried. You know, what do we know uh, about its transmissibility, and and, and um, uh, how do we think that might impact our community here in Topeka? Yeah, I think we're learning more and more every day. Um, now, I know I'd spoken with you previously and, and kind of said we didn't know enough yet to really say anything, and I think that's still true, but there has been some information that's coming back that it, it does appear that the transmissibility may be a little bit higher than Delta, mm. and so there is some expectation that the Omicron variant would uh, you know, really take over the Delta variant, and so you would start to see Omicron being what was spread in the community and at a pretty high rate. What's what's interesting and uh, I don't want to call it well. I mean, it, it's it's a positive, is that it doesn't maybe to look, it doesn't look to be as as severe as the Delta variant. And so hopefully uh, it's causing less severe disease, sure. um, you know, and, and hospitalizations and things like that. And so um, that that's always a positive there. But we're we're on the lookout for it. Um, I, you know, we get a lot of calls. Uh, all of the time, actually, people asking about if if the test they're getting, or if the test that they're giving, if it's a if it's a testing provider or congregate setting that may may be testing residents or something, if the test that they have, you know, tests for the variant. And so, I, I, you know, I never know how specific to get uh, with sure. it. It's it's kind of complex. Um, you know, I don't. I kind of I kind of liken it to, um, you know, like. 
surgeons and doctors, they have their own specialties. And so people that know testing really know testing. So sure. I don't want to, I don't want a podiatrist, <laughs> you know, doing open heart surgery on me. I want a, a, you know, a heart surgeon. Um, so when we talk to the, to the testing experts, I've learned a ton about what's called sequencing, which is where they look at the genomic structure of the virus. Sure. And that's how they actually see what variant it is. And I think with, with uh, kind of just like an overarching view of it. So to sequence something, it has to be uh, what we call a molecular test, which is typ- typically a PCR. So mm-hmm. uh, a PCR test. And, um, you know, what they do with it is it's amplified. It's tested to see if it's positive or negative. And then if it's negative, of course, you're not going to do anything with it. You tell the person they're negative. That's great. Hallelujah. If it's positive, though, and um, and the capacity is there or there's reason to believe that you need to look at it a little deeper, then you can do what's called sequencing. And that's where you literally look at the entire, uh, basically, the, the DNA, the RNA of the virus. And so um, a couple of things to that, though. There's only one laboratory that does the sequencing, and that's Cahill, K-H-E-L. It's KDHE's state-ran lab. Uh, We are lucky to have them in Topeka, but they are servicing the entire state. So their capacity to sequence every specimen, that's just not realistic. It's not doable. And sequencing one specimen takes quite a bit of time. It's really time-consuming. And so, um, you know, at one point they were doing like 300 to 350 specimens. I believe it was per week. Oh, wow. Um, And, of course, we know that we have just – we have more cases than that in in the county alone. And they're they're servicing the whole – the whole state. So if people go to um, KDHE's COVID-19 dashboard, they can actually click on the variant dashboard and it'll it'll allow you to click on the county, whichever county you're looking for. Um, it'll tell you that we have 500 plus variants detected in the county. And then you can actually look week to week to see how many specimens have actually been sequenced in each of the counties. And so oh, awesome. um, it'll give you an idea of, of the differing amounts. Um, and of course, they're trying to be fair about it with, um, you know, you know, rural counties and in and, and counties that are more heavily populated. And so um, it's a tough job for sure on their end. Oh, absolutely. A long winded answer for you, Angel. There you go. No, no, that's we're, we're all about getting our facts, getting information <laughs> here about Bruce. So that's that's good. Uh, yeah, that's it for all the you know terrible things that have happened. The pandemic. I do have to say, it is like a data nerd's like dream right now. There's so much information you can get out there. You can nerd out to your heart's content right now with data. <laughs> oh yeah, and you know, kind of like I was saying with testing. So um, you know, there's testing experts. There's epidemiologists, which you know, epi's as we call them. It's like they're kind of a kind of a master of all of it. They know they know the testing piece, but they know about spread and statistics and uh, mitigation and all of this. And then we have health officers, which can have a variety of backgrounds. Right. right. It's public health, or they're a physician, or they're they're both. Like our our health officer here is Dr. Locke. Um, but everyone just kind of has their areas of expertise. And so it's really important for us to all kind of share that together. So I, I'm not ashamed to say when I have questions on testing, I go to a testing expert um, or, you know, you know, questions on on spread or maybe something that I feel like is the transmission's just a little bit different. Uh, we always try to go to the person that knows the most about that, the expert in that specific field. Like I said, it's like it's like being a doctor, you know, you want you want whatever you're dealing with you want the specialist for that for that situation so um we're ready for for whatever variant comes our way it it, 
first it was you know it was alpha alpha then it was delta now it's omnicron whatever i don't i don't know what comes after omnicron angel i don't know right alphabet but uh we're ready for it all and i think at the heart of it is that the vaccines specifically um after you get your booster still looks like it's very effective at stopping severe disease um and even transmission to to some degree as well Awesome. Yeah, well, that's actually a perfect segue into my next question. You know, that is the one difference between now and, and a year from now, year prior to this, is we do now have a, a safe and effective, I'll say it again, a safe and effective uh, vaccine Very available uh, to the public. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about where we stand um, in the county in terms of vaccine numbers? And, and you know, when we think about this booster shot, uh, you know, people might be wondering, do I, do I really need it? How effective is it? Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I can. So um, if people go to shawneehealth.org and go to the vaccine, there's a vaccine, basically a banner at the top. You click on that and then scroll down a little bit. You'll see something called our vaccine demographic report. Um, It has a couple of the most recent ones and then there's archived uh, ones as well. So you can even see how they've changed, though um, I think we do a good job of kind of showing you know, the amount of vaccine that we've done month to month and, and all of that. So um, if you click on that, what you'll see currently is that about 54 percent, these are these are estimates based on census data. And um, I mean, we know the number of people that are vaccinated, but uh, we estimate that based on, on the census data of Shawnee County. Um, it's about 54 percent of the total population. And the bulk of our population is eligible for vaccination right now. So in, the only people that are not are if you're younger than five, mm. if you're four or, or younger. And that only represents, I think it's about 10,000, um, which is um, well, a quick math. It's definitely less than, I don't know, roughly 5%, maybe less than 5% of our total population. Yeah. So, um, but 54% of our total population has completed their vaccine series and then We've kind of seen a booster surge as of, of, of recent um, as well. So really into late um, late November, we've seen kind of a, a surge of vaccinations too. Of course, that five through 11 age group has become eligible, but those percentages have stayed, have stayed pretty small. Sure. Um, like as I said earlier, the 85 and older population is 96% vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, that 96% of those individuals. And then um, the 5 through 11 is 14%. And so mm-hmm. we've got a ways to go on them. And I think if you look really, I guess, what you could call the uh, maybe like the working class age group, you know, anyone from 18 to 54, their vaccination rates are, you know, 55 to 70% at its, at its highest. Um, and we, we would really like to see those um, see those people get those numbers up. I do know that, you know, if everybody in the county completed their vaccine series, we, we would have that herd immunity as, as it's alluded to. Sure. We'd be about 94% of the population and we would be sitting, I think, in a really good spot as yeah. far as uh, COVID cases and just severity of COVID goes. So, um, Absolutely. And I know you touched on boosters, Angel. So I think, as I mentioned with like Omicron, you know, um, first off, I guess eligibility for the boosters, I should say the wording has changed or the, the strength of recommendation has changed in the last month or so. Um, they used to, it used to be words like may and think, you know, you may receive something mm. like that. 
and the CDC and the state government um, health departments and then local health departments have really shifted to saying, no, people should receive the booster. You should receive the booster if you're six months beyond your completing your primary series for Pfizer and Moderna, or if you've got J&J, you have to be at least two months removed. Um, and of course, that's only one dose, so you have to be at least two months removed from that. And then people can choose uh, any booster type, regardless of the vaccine series that they completed before that. Yeah. But the data that's coming back, it's showing that the boosters, you know, they really um, kind of remind your immune system of what to watch for. And um, it makes the vaccines just that much more effective as far as stopping the severity of disease and especially with the Delta variant and then Omicron. kind of peeking its ugly head around the corner too so um i can't urge people uh to get the booster enough it's especially true i think for those that live and work in high-risk settings like nursing homes long-term care um uh, congregate settings and healthcare as well and then those individuals that um, have underlying health conditions too um, and then our elderly elderly folks as well really need to be getting booster doses too. So um, I can say that the bulk of the hospitalizations that we've seen in people that are fully vaccinated, what we're actually looking at is individuals that are often, you know, we've it's kind of crazy to say this, but they're like 10 months removed from their last dose. Ah, so the, the you know, <laughs> yeah, so they're several months beyond when they, sh- you know, when they should have or could yeah. have received their booster. And so, you know, if people can get boosted now, get their booster doses, uh, we're really hoping to, to avoid those hospitalizations going into uh, kind of the middle of winter and, and later winter here, so. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I got my, uh, my booster, of course, I got the, I had the Johnson Johnson uh, yeah. vaccine initially, and so then I, I called up my doctor's office the other day and I said, surprise me. So they gave me the, <laughs> they gave me the Moderna. So I, I felt, I, yeah. felt, I felt kind of classy getting the Moderna one since I, I had the Johnson hey. Johnson initial one. So it's kind of exciting. Team Moderna. Team Moderna. I'm not. I'm not advocating for one vaccine <laughs> over the other. That is the one I received for all three as well. Oh, nice. uh, you do bring up a good point, though, Angel. Is that uh, though people can receive any booster type? We do kind of encourage people to talk to their doctors. Um, uh, yeah. you know, some physicians feel a certain way, but they're going to know your background too, your reactions to medication, your your um, underlying health conditions, and and kind of your your history and physical, as we call it, your H and P. Um, to maybe give you a recommendation about, you know, maybe which vaccine they prefer. Maybe they have some statistics or data on it. But I think the the point is, is that the data and the statistics to back up getting the booster and the safety behind it, it's it's all very strong. It's all very strong. So. Absolutely. Hey, and y'all out there, you might be lucky like me. So I, as I was waiting to get my uh, get my shot, they actually uh, ran out of space in the in the adult room. So I got my <laughs> shot in the child's room, and so oh. I got. I had like Moana stickers on the wall and like yeah. there are toys in the room and I was like this is the best shot I've ever had like, I, this is awesome. I am missing out well, my daughter's <laughs> a huge Moana fan she's not she's only uh, she'll be three so she's not like that five year old age group yet but um, you know I, I, I did get my eight-year-old almost nine-year-old had his first dose a couple weeks ago and um this this specific pediatric office had like a therapy dog there that they walked uh, back to the waiting room with and and they had stickers and and so just some of these offices are doing some really comforting things and i'll actually say you know some of the concern with the younger age group 
is not about the vaccine at all. It's about the fact that they all feed off of each other, and so the worry is mm. you see one kid crying. Oh, right. And make him worried. And so when we walked into the office, my, my son Caden looked at me and he said, well, I don't see any other kids crying, so it must be okay. Oh, uh, I said, awesome. you're, I said, buddy, you're right on that one. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, well, you know, so uh, with all this said, you know, what, there's so many people out there who are just like, when, when is this all going to be over? You know, when is, when is, because that's, that's very American of us, right? It's like we want, we want it to be done and over <laughs> with so we can go on with our lives. And, you know, yeah. we, we know that to some extent COVID, you know, the virus is always going to be there, but, you know, we want it to get down to a, a manageable level like we have with cold and flu and things like that and, and so what does that what does that look like you know what does it look like to get to that level where we can manage uh the COVID yeah. virus yeah i think you know i was talking earlier about when cases were lower kind of early on in the summer to be quite honest we were having discussions then about you know okay what does this look like long term for us how are we going to manage um you know case investigations and, and and clusters and outbreaks and things like that um so we had hoped that we would be to that manageable you know part by now um i've talked about our health department mission statement um you know, it talks about protecting, uh, promoting and protecting the optimal health of all people and eliminating health inequities. And so, you know, I talk to people, I, I, I'm up front with them. I'm honest with them. I say, you know, everybody's feeling this, this COVID fatigue, as it's called. Health professionals, you know, our nurses, our physicians, our respiratory therapists, our, um, gosh, I mean, once you start naming them, then you have to, you don't want to forget anything. Right. Everybody that's dealing with COVID, business owners, you know, community advocates and um, our, our uh, political leaders and elected officials and things like that. Everyone's tired of COVID, but the job is not done. The job is not done. We've got a ways to go for uh, vaccination and we've got to continue practicing all of the mitigation strategies that we know work. I think part of making something manageable is when you can prevent and treat it or treat and prevent it, however you want to look at it. And I think we have the tools to do that. Um, I really do. We have the vaccines. We have the masking and the distancing and, and the hygiene, the hand washing, the covering our coughs and sneezes. We have all of that available to us. And so it's just about utilizing it from a health department perspective. It's about making sure that there is proper access and uh, equity in the community for folks to, to get those. And then obviously ensuring like uh, factual information and education and trying to combat some of the misinformation that's that's obviously out there about COVID and the vaccines in general. Um, but the job's not done and I'm just upfront with people about that. We have not completed the task at hand. We have not completed uh, the mission, but we have the tools to do that. And I think I, ta- I think it was, was Bows and Brews last time, Angel, where I <laughs> talked about, you know, the most patriotic thing you could do, yep. uh, the most American thing you could do, right? We always talk about service to our country, service to our communities and helping others, you know, vaccination and, and even masking and the other mitigation strategies, they play right into that. I look at it as very patriotic for someone to get a vaccine. And I, I've even found myself thanking people that were worried about it. Or, oh, sure. You know, maybe they weren't 
gung-ho for getting the vaccine at, at the start but they did because they knew it was what was right they 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 did their their research they talked to those that have the factual information and they made the decision to do it to help others and to protect others and that's really what it's about you know we are getting vaccinated to protect ourselves obviously but we're also doing it for our, our grandpas and our grandmas and our, our aunts and uncles our kids uh, our most vulnerable you know many of us work with vulnerable populations and um, that's really who we do it for absolutely absolutely yeah it's like, I don't think I could say any better myself uh, well you know the, as we wrap up the big question of course we are in the midst of the holiday season and there are, there are lots of people who are eager to uh, get back together with uh, family members that maybe they didn't get to see uh, last year for the holidays and so mm-hmm. you know in the midst of everything going on you know how can we make sure that as we're gathering or should we be gathering you know how do we how do we make those determinations and you know what can we be doing to keep ourselves or our family safe this holiday season yeah well the tools are out there like i said but um a couple of things off the top is obviously kind of evaluating yourself or your kiddos for you know signs and symptoms and then seeking testing if if necessary um so um there is a I don't want to call it a new testing website, but the testing website to go to now for some of the free community sites in the county and actually across the state, it's going to be know before you go ks.com and, and that's K N O W no. So know before you go ks.com. So, um, you know, it's never a bad idea to get a test before you're going to a gathering for peace of mind, but also, um, so that you're, you know, not knowingly spreading an infectious disease to others that you may be around and right. especially those that are vulnerable. And then, you know, the opportunities there to get vaccinated, you know, many people might look at the calendar now and say, you know, if they hadn't had, their first dose yet they may say well you know christmas and uh, and and all the other wonderful holidays they're they're here and so why would i get my first dose now but you know it's never too late or early or anything like that to get your first dose it's it's all out there for you vaccines.gov is a really great tool for that uh kdhe is holding clinics at the history museum here in shawnee county on thursdays yeah. and fridays from 8 30 to 4 30 they have all formulations of the vaccine and then the shawnee county health department we are uh working with community partners and advocates and even schools and um, really anybody that's interested employers uh, in holding that vaccine clinics and of course um, booking appointments at, at our uh, 10th street clinic and then we have the the other private providers that are doing a wonderful job of providing opportunities for their their patients and uh, pharmacies our retail pharmacies as well uh, our smaller pharmacies shout out to to Doug's you yeah. bring Doug's back Angel <laughs> Doug's pharmacy in Rossville thank you all so much Jason out there has been awesome Jayhawk pharmacy here um, in Topeka has been a wonderful partner too see I start naming people and I don't want to stop because I just if you're in our collaborative or if you're in Shawnee County thank you all for what you do uh, but the tools are there to, to to have these safe gatherings of course if you're sick if you're not feeling good please play it safe you know hold a, hold a virtual gathering like so many of us have done uh, you know uh, bump that gathering back a week if you can or 10 days if you're positive you know just just be smart with it um, don't 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 contribute to the community transmission that we're seeing. Um, But everything's out there for people to kind of do some of this safely. And at the heart of it, if you're not sure in in the setting that you're in, if either, you know, everyone's vaccinated or if you have doubts about the safety of it, you know, wear your mask and practice your distancing and, and, uh, 
you know, do the do the elbow shake or whatever we're doing these days. Right. Um, just do, do some of that stuff and be as safe as you can. And then it may be beneficial also to seek testing after those events. So you could potentially look at testing two to three to five days after those events. Um, and then there's no shame in testing positive. It's just wanting to follow up on that to make sure we can uh, put our foot down when that spread's occurring to stop it from getting to other other folks. So sure. um, I think that's what I would, would say to that. I guess I do want to mention, I'm sorry, Angel, to, to kind of load this answer up, but no, I know a good. lot of folks are seeking the home tests. Yeah, but, that's just what I was going to so, ask you about. <laughs> yeah, so the home tests, I know, um, and I'll just throw the one of the, one of the brands out there, not to promote any brand or anything like that, but the Buy Next Now Antigens by Abbott. I know they're, they're at a lot of the, especially the retail pharmacies, it seems, um, they're flying off the shelf to be quite honest we're getting a lot of questions on those and i just want to let people know that at this moment in time the state has not considered those a confirmatory test so angel let's say someone we know tests positive with the home test they call into to the health department we would just simply tell them uh we would actually recommend that they get a confirmatory test at one of the community testing sites sure they could either use the knowbeforeyougoks.com or uh, they could reach out to their own provider to get testing but to have that confirmed um for the suspected cases for just the home tests that result on a positive we actually don't investigate those and we don't consider that uh, something that we can like issue orders based off of sure but i will never discourage people from testing in general sure so if that's the route they want to go to be safe and especially if they're negative um you know then then i would i would not discourage testing in, in any manner but just so people will kind of have that have that awareness yeah absolutely uh and i'm glad we also got another shout out to duds on this show too so absolutely, <laughs> that's, that's absolutely. awesome well yeah. Derek, i said before but thanks for everything you are doing and all of your colleagues at the health department because i know it has been a it has been a long couple years uh for for you guys so thanks for everything that that you all are doing to, to keep us all safe Oh, I appreciate that, Angel. Yeah, we've got so many staff members. Um, I can't even begin to name them all, but those in my division, we've got so many in other divisions and, and volunteers that have helped through the entirety of this pandemic from the first cases to vaccine rollout to the clinics that we've held since then. And then just all of the partners in the community that are kind of uh, still there. We're all still banding together. I sure. mean, I, um, it's it's just amazing uh, to see it day to day, and we're going to continue working, um, as I said, until the job is finished, and we're not quite there yet. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, I appreciate the um, positive vibes from you, and I'll definitely pass that along to the rest of the health department. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Derek, thanks again for hanging out with us tonight. All right, Angel, thank you. Yeah, and then for those uh, listening at home, of course, uh, remember to stay tuned after the break. We will be back to finish things up with our take action moment of the night, our final take action uh, for 2021. So I'll be after the break. You're listening to The Ballads of Brews here on KSF 75 Live Radio. All right, folks, 
here we are with our final take action moment of the night for 2021. Um, so for tonight, as we wrap up our show, you know, we, uh, of course, all of us, a lot of us make New Year's resolutions um, as we look forward to a new year. Um, so we want to encourage you to uh, make your New Year's resolutions of how you want to be more civically engaged in the community. Um, you know, if you've listened to uh, the show now, you've heard about various causes and issues happening in the community. What's a cause that you've heard about that's important to you, that sparked your interest, uh, that's maybe just fired you up and got you mad, or that you want to do something about, or you think those people need to hear blah, 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 or they're not doing blah, 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 but I want to be involved. You know, what are those kinds of things that, that speak to you? Um, you know, I always tell people when you're starting off, don't feel like you have to take on the entire world. What is that one issue, that one committee, or that one board you'd like to join? Um, you know, I encourage you to think about those things. Uh, we're going to put, put a plug in again, as we always do, to go to topeka.org slash government slash boards dash commissions to look at all the open spots that are available on city boards and commissions uh, throughout the city. Um, and again, these are our public boards and commissions that are part of uh, uh, city government um, in some way. Um, and they cover a wide range of experiences and, and interests and that sort of thing. Um, and almost all of them have some type of vacancy on them. Um, and so I highly encourage you to, to check those out. The city is always looking for people uh, to fill vacancies on those boards. Um, along those lines, if you say, but Angel, I've never served on a board. What does one do? Um, I have a suggestion for you. And this is a shameless self-promotion for my employer, United Way of Greater Topeka. Um, but United Way is bringing back their board leadership training. Um, so this is a training that is whether you are a, a new person looking to join a board of directors or whether you've been on a board for a while but want to deepen your um, expertise um, on, on board service. Um, all those populations are welcome to be a part of our board leadership training at United Way. It's a two-day training. It's on January 19th and January 26th from 8 a.m. to noon on both days. You do have to go to both days in order to be able to uh, to complete the, the to complete the training. Um, but you'll get the ins and outs of all uh, everything you need to know about serving on a board, from strategic planning to financial responsibilities to how to read a budget, um, all those kinds of things um, that you need to know about serving on a board. And so, again, that first session is going to be on January 19th and January 26th. Um, there is a small cost to attend um, those sessions. It's $75 up for uh, both those sessions. I believe there might be one uh, scholarship opportunity, potential scholarship opportunity that's available, um, and you can indicate your interest in that when you sign up. Um, you can find out more by going to unitedwaytopeka.org slash board-leadership-development. Um, they'll have the enrollment form on there and lots more information about what the sessions will uh, will contain. Um, and of course, we'll throw um, those links and information up on our social media pages as well. Uh, so folks, that is our show for tonight, our last one for 2021. A uh, quick reminder, if you haven't already, hit us up on social media to like our page on Facebook and stay, uh, stay up to date there. Uh, follow us on Twitter. It's just at Ballots Brews on Twitter. We live tweet um, all, of our, all of our shows on Twitter so you can learn a little behind the scenes secrets and more information, deeper information um, on the things we cover on the show um, on that platform as well. Um, and then for those of you that are the podcasting type, you can of course check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify um, and feel free to leave us a review um, while you're doing that as well. Um, so everyone out there, please, please, please uh, you know, do those things we know we need to do. Uh, stay safe, wear your mask, get your vaccines, get your booster shot if you haven't already. Uh, please have a very safe and happy holiday season. Drink some good beer um, along the way. Uh, a good beer or two or three uh, throughout the holiday 
holiday season. We'll catch you all back in the new year here on Ballads of Brews on KSS 75 Live Radio.
some of 